Welcome to Backlight, where we will be taking you behind the scenes of our investigations at Lighthouse Reports. We are an independent investigative newsroom working with the world's leading media on stories that serve the public interest. Every month, we will be interviewing a lead contributor behind one of our recent investigations for practical insights into how these are conducted. My name is Beatriz Ramal de Silva, and I'm a reporter at Lighthouse. Today, I'm joined by two of my colleagues, lead food systems reporter Finlay Wynn and investigations editor Lionel Fall. Both Sin and Lionel led our latest investigation in the food systems newsroom, Europe's Potemkin Lobby. This is a story about Copacogeca, the biggest and most powerful farming lobby group in Europe, who claimed to represent all 22 million farmers across Europe. Copacogeca enjoys unprecedented access to European Union policymakers and in recent years has used its position to water down environmental reforms. But this investigation raises questions about their legitimacy in the farming community. Not only is their membership strength opaque, but their overall numbers are in decline in some major agricultural economies. Copacogeca farming unions also tend to represent the interests of bigger farms. Farming unions who are part of COPA and represent small-scale farmers say they feel ignored within the organization. Young farmers said they feel disconnected from Copacogeca, whilst former employees told us they feel the organization is losing touch with farmers. Hey, Thin and Lionel, it's great to have you both here today. And it's a particularly busy day because the investigation has just been published. So I wanted to start out by asking you, Lionel, why Copacogeca? How did this investigation begin? Hi, Beatrice. So at Lighthouse's Food Systems Newsroom, we investigate the major players, crucial dynamics and trends that shape our farms, lives and environments. And the clue is in the name, food systems. We are interested in how food is produced from farm to fork. And as it turns out, the EU have a farm to fork strategy, which is supposed to completely overhaul um, the way the EU's food systems work and to do so with a view to ensuring that it stops having such a harmful impact on the climate. And we found that Copacogeca, this farming lobby union, is one of the biggest opponents of many of the quite environmentally progressive laws and policies that are suggested by this farm to fork strategy. So it started from there. It was um, kind of inevitable that we looked at them eventually. So for this investigation, We've spoken to nearly 120 people. So that includes farmers, Copacogeca affiliated unions, and insiders across the EU. Then, can you walk us through how this was done and what were the methods behind the investigation? Yeah, thanks, Beatrice, for having us. So, you know, this was a bit of a tricky investigation in that it required a lot of um, good old fashioned dogged reporting building sources, building trust, speaking to just as many people as possible. And part of the reason was that it was just so difficult, and, you know, Lionel can attest to that, um, to go through some of the, I guess, you know, methodologies that we would normally use, for example, going through the financial flows or using, you know, OSINT, open source, 
or going through crunching data. It was a lot harder to do that. We know that we wanted to investigate Copacajeca, troll through thousands of pages of annual reports and academic papers and news articles. I mean, Lionel himself also went through a lot of the financial data, all the surveys, you know, coming to grip with, you know, this intricacies of agriculture policymaking. And, you know, Beatrice yourself was involved in submitting, you know, freedom of information requests. Even though those were helpful, we realized that they only go so far. What we really needed was people who knew what was going on both inside and outside. Uh, what I meant by that was, you know, inside what is happening with Copacajeca. How do they make decisions? Are they democratic? Are they truly representative? Um, how do people inside feel? And how are people outside of Copacajeca feeling? Do they feel neglected? Do they feel listened to? Farmers who actually care, you know, about far producing food sustainably, like the way Lionel uh, just talked with regards to the Green Deal. So we decided to just talk to as many people that we possibly can. A lot of them were also farmers. We wanted to make sure that, you know, the investigation and the resulting articles were not just talking to academics and environmentalists and lobbyists, but people who are really affected by the policies that COBA uh, was pushing for. Now, just very briefly to talk about the other methodologies, it was, like I said, it was really hard to build a picture of Copa Gojeska's membership, right? Their legitimacy, their power comes from this whole thing that they represent 22 million farmers and, and, and their families in Europe. So we wanted to, you know, dig into those numbers. And one of the first, I guess, breakthrough was finding this survey, a 20. 16 report actually by Eurofound, which is a European agency, and it was Lionel who stumbled upon this, that looked at representativeness in the agriculture sector. And they survey sort of union member strength in all 27 EU countries. And that really gave us a baseline sort of to make comparisons when we then talk to farmers, union members, just to get a sense of where these membership numbers are going and are they still representative or were they inflated, uh, were they declining? And, you know, that was the, I guess, the number component that was integral. But like I said, that in itself uh, was not sufficient, which really pushed us to, you know, talk to as many people um, as we possibly could. And building on what you just said, then, Copa Kojeka is the most influential farming group in Europe. A lot of the reporting on the story involved getting sources in the farming community to build this picture of, of what is the reality inside COPA. What did you feel, both of you, were the biggest challenges throughout the course of this reporting? For me, Beatrice, I think Sins alluded to a big one, which was getting reliable data that would give us a sense of actually how representative is COPA Kojeka really. But beyond that, I think the biggest challenge was just the sheer ambition of this project. So we're effectively investigating a very old, very influential and very powerful lobbying group with all the challenges of understanding how they work, the kind of dark arts of lobbying in Brussels. And then beyond that, in a sort of kind of concentric ripple of circles, we have the national affiliated unions of Corporate Kojeka in each EU 27 country 
and figuring out who they were and the sort of national specific angles and problems with those various unions. And then, of course, there are millions of farmers in the EU and we wanted to get a sense or a flavor of how they feel about Kopokajek and how they feel represented. And of course, one cannot speak to all 22 million of them. So a big challenge was speaking with enough farmers across enough European countries and different kinds of farmers from different backgrounds. So it was kind of a question of how many people should we speak to to get a sense of what is really going on. So that was a big challenge, a challenge of, of size, scale and scope. Yeah, I don't have very much to add to what Linus already said, except perhaps, you know, one thing specifically because, you know, I was one of those people who tried to talk to as many people as possible as uh, did you, Beatrice. And I thought, you know, one of the biggest challenges was people were scared. A lot of them didn't want to speak on the record or didn't even want to speak to us. And that also to us reinforced how important it was that we did this right and that we actually do this as well as we possibly can. Uh, the fact that, you know, whether they're bureaucrats or ordinary farmers or politicians, that they were worried about criticizing Copa Kujeka, to me was a signal that we were on the right track. But it also made the investigation just that more that much more challenging yeah to find out more about our investigative journalism and how to get involved do subscribe to our newsletter you can do this on our website lighthousereports.com in 10 years europe has lost over 3 million farmers and at the same time we're at the forefront of an environmental crisis worldwide. For both of you, what makes this story important and relevant right now? Beatrice, you, you know, you just now you talked about how many, you know, farmers Europe has lost, but also the average age of farmers in Europe, I think is 57. That's really quite old. We really do need a new generation of farmers to be stepping up and replacing them. And a lot of the young farmers that we spoke to are just really worried. They are concerned about the environmental degradation and the way farming is being conducted at the moment is really not helping. And in fact, it's aggravating, you know, that environmental crisis. And the fact is, without functioning ecosystems, there will be no food. It's as simple as that. So I think it's really important this issue around environmental crisis is no longer just that is happening in, you know, far-flung countries. We are seeing wildfires, droughts, flooding in Europe, sometimes all, you know, at the same time, in the same season, in the same country. And that is a sign that we really need to transform the way we produce and consume food. And Farming is one of the most important professions in the world, right? I mean, we come into contact with food every single day. We need it for, it's literally a matter of life or death. If we don't eat, we die. It's that simple as that. So it's a very, very important profession. And we need to help them to transform it. Because 
change is inevitable purely because of what's happening with the environment and from the consumers. The question is whether, you know, how is this change going to happen? And Copa Gojeka can help this. But it means that Copa Gojeka needs to move away from this current position, which is often defensive and guided by a fear of change towards a much more proactive position. Lionel, is there anything you'd like to add to that? For me, and very much echoing what Finn says, this story is so important because we do not have time to waste now in terms of getting to grips with all of the environmental challenges that we need to get to grips with in order to avert climate catastrophe. It's really as simple as that. And Copacogeca's playbook is basically to delay reform or to derail it. And I'm sure that they come from a place where they are worried about the future as much as the rest of us. But with the urgency of the crisis, and given the fact that they have opposed and attempted to derail some fundamental legislation, so the kind of policy that Copa Kojeka has advocated over many, many years, has led to a kind of a consolidation of farms, ever bigger farms doing ever bigger kind of input intensive farming. And the stats are really alarming. Europe has lost 3 million farmers in the last 10 years. That's a rate of 800 farmers a day. So beyond this being a matter of basic kind of climate crisis issues, it's also a basic matter of the very future of the shape of European farms and farming. Thank you, Lionel, and thank you, Sin, for joining. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you to our partners who worked on this story. Politico, El Confidencial, Libertata, Danwatch, NRC, and OCO Press. Visit lighthousereports.com to read more about our investigation. You can follow us on Twitter at LH Reports.